from CES, a new option for those with vision problems. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Text Expander by Smile, the makers of world-class software. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more and download your free demo. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, we're still focused on CES, even though it's already gone and even though we didn't get to go. Uh, we're still talking to some of the people that their their products or their press releases or whatever looked interesting to me. They're the kind of booths that I would have wanted to stop by and learn more about their products. This time, I'm happy to welcome Brian McCollum from eSight to talk about what eSight is. Brian, welcome. It's great to have you. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Thanks for having us, Chuck. So from what I know of eSight, this, this looks like something that's, that's very interesting. Um, it's, it's what technology should be doing for so many people. It was, was my first reaction to it. But I'll let you tell us exactly what eSight is and how it does what it does. Yeah, for sure. So you're 100% right in that this is a, a very good example of using technology and the advancements in technology to solve a problem that's uh, only growing, to be quite honest. Uh, it's essentially a device. Uh, it's an external or a wearable technology that allows people with visual impairment uh, that cannot be corrected for their surgical procedure or whether it's refraction. Uh, essentially, essentially people with, say, central vision loss or a disease like macular degeneration or the juvenile form uh, called Stargardt's disease. Uh, essentially, what happens is the, the patient ends up with a blind spot or blurriness in the middle of their eye, and they, can, they, can't, really find to, they can't really focus on the fine details, whether that's reading, uh, recognizing faces and things of the like. And so what the original founder did uh, probably 10 or so years ago was to set out to find a solution. He has two sisters who live with Stargard's disease today and really find a way for them to continue to do the things they enjoy doing. Um, and the, the idea and the concept that he came up with is essentially the same foundation uh, that the platform is built on today. And that is a, a camera in the middle of a device uh, that essentially picks up an image uh, and then it converts that image into, pulls it into two screens inside the headset. Um, and so what the user is allowed to do is they're allowed to zoom in on that, that image uh, they're allowed to change colors or contrast of that image. And it essentially tricks the brain uh, into not seeing the blind spot that's in the middle of their eye. Um, and so if you think about the eye and everyone's situations are a little bit different, the scotoma or the, the, the imperfect part of the eye is not always the same. It's really focusing that image on the healthier part of the eye. And so you can essentially take a person that's 20 over 200, considered legally blind, uh, maybe even all the way up to say 20 over 800, and we can bring them back to 20 over 20 vision uh, while they're wearing the device. Uh, wow. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I mean, that's impressive that, that you can, because I've had a family member that had some experience with macular degeneration sure. and you know, that, that is a real problem. And so basically just, I mean, I'm going to repeat what you said, but you're tricking the brain into seeing something that the eye can't see. Well, so for example, if you've got a blind spot or you've got just, you've got deposits on the retina and therefore it's, it's blocking what's in that area. And so when you think about looking at an image and if you were to zoom in on something, it essentially is, is taking that and pulling it to a different part of the eye. 
And so therefore, the people no longer who have this condition who put the device on their head, assuming that the device works for them, which it works in about 70 to 80% of the people who have macular degeneration, the product is successful in, um, it essentially eliminates that blind spot. In some cases, somebody can put it on their head and just by the idea of a blending of the image of two screens, without any magnification, it can actually eliminate the blind spot. So think of th th 3D glasses, right? To where you've got two different images and they're trying to create this, this 3D image. It happens very similar in, in the situation uh, for, for central vision loss when you put the device on your head. That's a good example. And that's something we can all relate to because sure. you're right. You, you, you've, if you look at a normal situation, the eye is doing strange things to the brain because one's blue, one's, one's what reddish orange, I guess. Sure. But if if you have that pre prepared image, then all of a sudden it it tricks your brain into seeing something that really isn't sure. exactly there. So, so that sure. that that makes a lot of sense as to how it would work. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's interesting in the context of uh, you know, and you, visual acuity is different in everyone, right? It could be twenty over forty or fifty, and very little contrast, all the way up to legally blind and perfect contrast. All of those have different needs in order to, to make that, that correlation or to, to trick the brain, so to speak. And so the wearable that we've developed and the technology and the software platform that actually sits on the device is robust in the sense that it's, it can be manipulated. Um, so while they're, they're essentially the same off the shelf, so to speak, each person can fine tune that to, to their specific condition. And so we do find that it's extremely helpful for, for well over the majority of the people that try it. It's fascinating. Um, so the again, looking at the pictures on the website. So this is it's not like VR goggles. It's more like um, a, a souped up pair of sunglasses uh, would might be the way I best describe it. But I'll let you tell me. Is that a good? Yeah. Description? It, it, so so VR. Is, there are some products in the wearable space that use a VR device, uh, and as you know, with VR devices. Uh, you lose all sense of where you are. There is no peripheral. You can't see anything. It's full immersive. And so it's really difficult to walk around. Um, if you've ever played a VR type game, you don't know where you are. You hit the walls, you do different things. Um, and so our approach is different. Our approach has mobility as one of the top priorities. And so we want someone uh, to be able to wear the device, whether it's in the up position or down position where they're using it, and still be able to have their balance and still be able to walk around. Uh, what you find on people with central vision loss is that the peripheral vision they have is still relatively very good. Um, you just can't do fine focusing with your peripheral vision. So someone with, with central vision loss would know that you and I are in the room. They just wouldn't know who it was, right? So we don't want to block the healthy that healthy part of their eye. We want to allow them to retain the balance, the mobility, and everything that comes along with it. So we, we've approached it from the sense of what we call bioptic tilt. And so the, 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 the visor itself tilts up. It also can tilt completely out of the way. Um, but we believe mobility retention is, is priority number one. If you can't improve the acuity, then why, are you, why do you even have a device? If you can't make somebody see better, then you know, that should be something that's already given on the device. We're trying to make sure that they want to actually use it into their daily lives. They want to be able to take it through life with them. Uh, they want to be able to do distance and you know far and distance viewing, whether they're at a grandkid's soccer game and they can see 30 or 40 yards away, but they don't want us just to have to sit down and watch it. 
Um, that's really what we're trying to accomplish. And that's that's an example, maybe in an older person. But if you think about someone who's actually trying to keep a job, who's working uh, in, a, in a company setting, they're in meetings, they may not always need to have the divisor or the device in use, but they need to be able to rely upon it when it's available. And so really just giving them something that that really almost acts like, you know, they're, they're doing their normal activities uh, is really what our approach is. Well, you, you sort of went there, uh, went to the where I wanted to go. The use cases here, I mean, it's not just a case of, okay, I'm going to wear these around the house, but this sure. could this could put people back into a job situation. It could put them back into a lot of activities that maybe they would at the very least be hesitant to engage in. That's right. Um, we find people who, it's it's weird because if you find someone who's just been recently diagnosed or who is trying to keep their job, they are a lot more motivated to continue to do the things that they want to do, right? They don't have to, uh, they want to continue to read, great. They want to continue to work on their computer, great. We all know that there's a large population of people who haven't had technology like this around and they're already so far into their journey that they've been learning to live with it. And they've learned to live that I'm never going to read again, or I'm never going to be able to see this again. And so we do have some mindsets we have to change. And so our focus around that is like, we just need people to be aware that something actually exists so that they never stop doing the things they want to do. They don't have to relearn them. They never stop doing them. Uh, And the disease is progressive. And so Someone recently diagnosed who might be 20 over 60 or 70, they may not need this device for every activity they're doing. They may need it to do certain things. But by the time they've progressed to say 20 over 160 or even 20 over 200, they may need it for more activities. And what we've really just tried to do is say this device, it's really here for what you want to do with it and what you need to do with it. And, you know, the wirelessness to it, the hands free piece of it. Just allowing them not to have to be, you know, sitting sitting down at a table using a CCTV or something like that. Uh, that's really been the motivation behind the development of the product. So let's talk about the tech aspect of it a little bit. Um, what what kind of hardware are you using? Is this is the unit fully self contained on the user's head, or are there backpacks or battery packs that have to be worn? Yeah. Or? So the current product, uh, so the first two, what I would call the first being the very pilot product, but the two and the three that we called them, uh, they all were connected via a wire to a remote, which was the battery. And so there was something that was worn on the head, but also had a wire tethered to them. And that's how they manipulated the unit. The re- the eSight 4, which we launched in 2020, uh, is a 100% wireless solution. Uh, it sits on top of the head. The battery is even self-contained in the back. Uh, and it's got three ways in which they can manipulate the, the device. There's a trackpad on the side. Uh, there's also a remote that's paired with it just via Bluetooth connection. And then there's an app for the phone. So Android or iPhone, either one, they can download the app and they can manipulate the the device that way. It's it. There is nothing that is tethered to. There's no backpacks. The batteries are interchangeable. So the batteries are hot swappable. You take one out, the device stays on. You pop another one in, uh, and and you can kind of tell what's charged and, and and what's not. The batteries last around two to three hours, depending on how they're using it. Uh, so with the, with the two or three batteries, they can get about eight hours of activity during a day, uh, and then they can recharge them at night. But it's a 100% wireless device. It is self-contained. The hardware is proprietary ours. We didn't go buy something off the shelf. Uh, and the software system is also proprietary to ours, to us. 
Mac Voices is supported by Smile, the makers of world-class software like Text Expander. Whether you are a team leader or a team member, odds are that you are, have been, and will be working from a remote location for some time to come. That makes consistency of communication with each other and with your customers more important than ever, but also more difficult than ever. Enter Text Expander. Text Expander from Smile not only saves time and money by automating words, sentences, paragraphs, or pages so that they can be summoned with just a few characters, it also introduces accuracy and consistency. Each time that snippet is used, it is exactly as created the first time. No individual variations. No typos because you got tired of typing the same thing over and over. That means that once deployed to your team, no matter where they are, no matter how often they use it, they will be using that snippet to respond to customer inquiries and creating documents with exactly what you intended, saving them time and making you look great. Invest a few seconds, literally a few seconds, in creating a text expander snippet and get paid back every single time you use it, and that can mount up to a lot of payments since you will be using Text Expander multiple times an hour. Find out just how easy it can be to be more accurate and more productive by visiting smilesoftware.com slash podcast right now. Try Text Expander for yourself and see some of the ways that a wide variety of businesses use Text Expander to be better. That's smilesoftware.com slash podcast to see what Smile, the makers of world-class software, have to offer you and your business. Thanks to Smile for their ongoing support of Mac Voices. When you talked about focusing and you're talking about batteries and all, I mean, is the image that is in, inside, I guess, the, the device, sure. I mean, is, is, are there overlays so that some of those things would be there? Or is it, uh, it, do you completely divorce yourself of the fact that they're having that in-device experience and just want to make it their version of vision? Yeah, so that's right. So they can't see through it. So it's an opaque solution. It's the, there is no glass for them to see through. So it's not like you're taking an image and they can see through it and then you're overlaying the image. It is clearly just the image inside it. Um, so similar to how a VR would work, except we don't occlude the peripheral, if you will. Um, and so it, it really is, uh, it's, it's, it's an 18 megapixel camera. It's pulling uh, images into uh, OLED screens. So they're just probably a little bit short of full high def screens inside the device. Um, and it'll go up to 24 times magnification, contrast manipulation. And so it's really, a, by being so close, it's a pretty high def picture of what that camera is seeing. Um, and that's really becomes their, their visual acuity, if you will. Hmm. Fascinating. 18 megapixel cameras. That's, the, the, that's a lot of resolution. Yeah. It is. Um, what we find is, you know, when you start getting, it's, it's, it's only got digital zoom. So there's no optical zoom. So as you know, when you begin to magnify in, you do get a little bit of graininess. Um, what we found, though, where you and I would see a graininess because we, uh, we're, we're fully sighted, right? Um, these individuals who are 20 over 200, 20 over 400, they don't even notice the graininess because now they can see something they've never seen before. Uh, but you still need that ability to, to magnify in. We, I mean, if you're going to take someone from 20 over 800 all the way down to 20 over 20, it's going to be pretty magnified uh, to be able to do that. Now, you know, with magnification, obviously, when you're with someone, someone's head, there's some some jumpiness to it, potentially. Uh, there's a lot of features inside it to where we can freeze those images. 
Uh, we can take pictures. We can freeze it. So if you think about a, a person in a Starbucks looking at a, a menu board or some any restaurant looking at a menu board, they can freeze that image right that they're looking at. And now they can zoom into it and now they can read it. So if somebody needs 20 times magnification, the, the system is set up so that we've tried to eliminate some of the some of the things that we know would be challenges is there's an autofocus feature to it. So things are automatically focusing in. They're not having to focus and fine tune it. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of thought been put into it. I mean, if you think about the 3000 or so that we've actually sold over the time, we've probably shown it to over 20,000 people. So we've, we've gotten feedback on the device of over 20,000 people of what they like and don't like. And, uh, you know, we're just continuing to fine tune the product. I love the idea of the freeze feature. Uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's great because as any of us know, like you said, if you need that kind of magnification, just sure. take your, take your uh, cell phone or whatever and put it out to maximum yeah. magnification and then find out how hard it is to hold it still enough to read something. And 100%. It's it, it's extremely difficult. So that's a brilliant solution to that. Just to freeze the image temporarily as for as long yes. as it's needed to be frozen. That, that's Yeah. So you freeze it and then um, to unfreeze it, you just hit the button and hold it down for three more seconds. It's it's pretty novel. It's pretty intuitive. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a great solution to that problem. What what? I mean, you just said you've sold about three thousand of these. What kind of response do you get from the from the medical community to this? So we're relatively new uh, diving into the healthcare side of the of the, the care for it. So if you think about where we were, where the company was when the first the product originally launched, it was twenty thousand dollars. So very difficult for to get a healthcare professional to recommend something like that. To a patient, very difficult to get the federal government to say, "Yeah, we need to go buy a bunch of twenty thousand dollars devices for people with central vision loss." We've been able to work that down to right at six thousand dollars for the current product, and so we've been able to take cost out of it. And so, what we're finding now is there, there are two different sides of the medical community that we really focus on. There's that low vision specialist who is an OD by training; uh, they're an optometrist, and so they're seeing patients that are getting referred to them who now are probably legally blind or the ophthalmologist says, hey, we think you could benefit from seeing a CCTV or a magnification device or wearables, what have you. And so that's kind of at what I call the end stage or later in the journey. Uh, where we're really focused is to try to move it up the channel. Um, there's been a lot of development of diagnostic tools uh, to earlier detect and earlier diagnose macular degeneration uh, because there's no cure for macular degeneration. So the dry form uh, which is the first step of it, you got to change your diet, change your exercise and take some vitamins and, and hopefully it won't progress to legal blindness. Um, and so what we're learning is that as visual acuity decreases, and there's a lot of studies out there around this, that brain cognitive function begins to decline. Um, people also become depressed. There's a lot of impacts to that patient as a result of loss of visual acuity outside of the loss of visual acuity and what it's doing to them and not being able to work. And so we're beginning to have conversations now with the MD side of the healthcare community, the ophthalmologists who are seeing these patients sooner saying, look, there's a device, there's a technology. Um, we've got it small enough now. We've got it contained enough. It's, it's fully wireless that, that you can know immediately if this device can help your patients, at least show it to them, at least tell them about it, at least expose them to it. Um, and we're getting some good response of people who are like, yeah, like, like if we're already if we're recommending vitamins, we know that's not curing it. Why not show them and allow them to see things that could help them continue to do the things they want to do? And 
there will be a lot of studies. There'll be a lot of research that I think will come out of this in the sense that if we can prove that we can just bend that cost curve of treating that patient, um, maybe not directly with the care of the visual acuity loss, but whether it's mental health or whether it's preventing falls or things like that, there's a there's a whole arm of, of healthcare economics that I think once we get the buy-in from the healthcare community that we'll be able to explore. Yeah, you've gotten it down to $6,000. I mean, $6,000 is still $6,000. Sure. But at the same time, for something like your vision and being able to get someone back into a job or to prevent you know, depression, all those things, I mean, that's it's it's not a cheap price, but it's certainly starting to sure. to approach affordable for a whole lot more people. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, look the the getting into a job and getting the you know vocational rehab, state agencies, things like that. You know, if they if this is the right product for someone they're trying to put back into a job, it's a no brainer for them um, because they're going to pay for it on behalf of that patient. It's really you know we all know that Medicare doesn't necessarily cover vision and, and hearing and dental and all the stuff. And there was a lot of talk in the, in the most recent stuff about bringing some of that in a lot of these people that are being impacted by this disease, especially the macular degeneration side, because it is age related, they are that Medicare age patient. And so we really got to be able to, to show the value uh, to CMS for that. And, and we're working on some things from a reimbursement perspective uh, but at the same time, you you got to have people who want to use the technology. It doesn't do them any good to to say, yeah, I want it and never use it. And so part of what we've been a part of what we've been trying to do uh, is really just one, make people aware of it, but two, make sure that they know how to use it, use it appropriately, and know and, and really know how to get the most out of it. Because um, assistive tech abandonment rate in assistive tech is high anyway. Um, so we the last thing we want somebody to do is spend six thousand dollars and throw it in a drawer. Yeah, definitely. So, so if someone needs this or wants this or wants to get involved or try it, do they need to approach their doctor? Do they can they contact you directly and become a customer? That's they can. Uh, so they can go to eSightEyewear.com, uh, and we have what we call a telehealth experience. Um, they can actually try it in their home. Um, they there's a seven day uh, trial that they can you know for for ninety nine dollars, which really covers the cost of shipping both ways. Um, they can actually try in their home. What they'll do is they'll get on with one of our specialists. Uh, we'll walk them through the technology, make sure they get it set appropriately for their, you know, the pupillary distances move. So we just want to make sure we get it set appropriately. Uh, and then they can try it in the luxury of their own home with no, no obligation, no risk at all. We really just want people to put it on their head, tell us what they think of it. Does it work for them? Um, that's one way to do it. We really want people though, to go and ask their physicians about it. We really would rather them go back when they're going in for their annual or biannual ophthalmology checkup to, to see if their disease has progressed. We really want those people talking to those healthcare professionals because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are taking care of hundreds of patients that are in a similar situation. Um, that's really where we think we have to raise awareness. And while we'll do, we'll sell it directly to them if they want, we can give them a home experience if they want. We really need to, to make it use them to help us get it aware in the physician practice. Well, and I think the physicians would appreciate it uh, because you're right. They're, sure. they're treating a lot of different patients. And if they're not aware of something that could make a difference for any of those patients, maybe the patient that brings it to their attention wouldn't benefit from it. Maybe sure. another 30 or 40 would. So, yeah. Absolutely. Brian, this is exactly the kind of reason that I, I just love walking around the CES show floors because you run into things that 
you know, ha- thankfully don't apply to me right now, but, you know, might sure. apply to somebody I know or that, you know, the technology is out there to help people and we just got to let people know about it. That's right. And that's part of to uh, why we partnered with Gentex. I mean, we were actually in, in, in their booth. Um, so Gentex, I don't I don't know how much you know about them or not, but they're really in the automotive and aerospace uh, business and they just got into healthcare two or three years ago. Um, and so we're really excited about that partnership because what that does is it allows us who've got ideas to serve the low vision community. Now we get the backing of a much larger organization, people who are dealing with cameras and sensors and operating systems while on a car or an airplane. Um, we can take some of that knowledge and some of that learning and buying power and things like that. And we can actually bring it to the low vision community. So we, we feel like we validated the concept of the product. We feel like we've we've at least driven awareness to prove that there is a viable need and that there's an unmet market out there. Uh, and I think partnering with Gentex and being at CES and places like, and, and things like that um, are really what can take companies like eSight and who are trying to serve this community to the next level. Because for the longest time, it's just been individual startups, you know, trying to say, well, how do I create something and how do I get, make a little bit of inroads? Now you've got some resources that are really being put behind it. And I, and I think that's it's being well received from the folks we talk to, um, well received in the assistive technology space, the vision space that um, we're approaching it a little different, thinking about it a little differently. Congratulations. I, I think it's, a, it's it sounds like a phenomenal product. Again, happily, I don't need it, but for sure. those that do. And so, folks, if you have someone in your family that this might benefit, you know, definitely go check out the website. Um, talk to your doctor about it and maybe do the in-home trial uh, and see it. It could make a huge, huge difference. Brian, thank you. This has been fascinating. I've, I really appreciate uh, the, the time and the education. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chuck. And uh, it was a pleasure joining you today and uh, happy to answer any questions you might have later. Great. Well, we'll, t- we'll obviously direct the folks to your website. They can get their questions answered. Now, if I come up with any, I'll call you. Awesome. Very good. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Again, this is why I love to go to CES and not just talk about the Apple and, and tech, the Apple tech-related stuff, but just everything. There's so much out there that can maybe improve your life, no matter what your situation is. Until the next time, and as always, thanks for watching. Visit MacVoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page. And get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.